welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. As we record this, it is September 12th, and yesterday was the uh, the remembrance of 9-11, 21 years ago. The, uh, the heroes and the victims, nearly 3,000 American victims, 2,997 died on that day in Lower Manhattan and in Pennsylvania and in Washington, D.C., and more people died as a result of the illnesses suffered as a result of those attacks. And I think all of us of a certain age know what happened on that day. We know who our enemies are. We have enemies, despite what the left tells us. But not everybody knows what happened on that day. A lot of young people in high school today and younger, they don't know what happened. They weren't around. And they certainly are not being taught by their their teachers or their college professors. And many of these professors are, are Marxists. They're certainly leftists in their political persuasion. They're not being told, our young people, who attacked us and why we were attacked on that day. For eight years, we had a president, Barack Obama, who would not refer to our enemies, our sworn enemies, as radical Islamists. He instead used the term violent extremists. He didn't want to offend Islam in any way. The same people responsible for the attacks on America then are still dedicated to our demise. And the U.S. government, in the name of protecting the public, has put into place laws that encroach on our constitutional freedoms. It's not an opinion. The Patriot Act infringes on our right to privacy in some ways. The NSA monitors our phone calls, our texts, and other correspondence, all in the name of protecting the homeland. Well, I don't buy it. I did for a few years, but I don't buy that based on what I know. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, what happened on 9-11 or the causes of it. You know, the left likes to blame everything on colonialism, that the West were colonial powers here in America. And uh, Obama put that forth in his speech in Cairo in 2009. He recycled this this nonsense about uh, blaming the tensions between Islam and the West on colonialism that denied rights and opportunities to many Muslims, he said, and a Cold War in which Muslim-majority countries were too often treated as proxies without regard to their own aspirations. That's, it sounds good, but it's not. It, that whole orthodoxy has been rejected. It was rejected 30 years ago by the Ayatollah Khomeini, who proclaimed the traditional Islamic universalist goals of the Iranian revolution. He came to power, Khomeini, in, in 1979. This is what he said. We shall export our revolution to the world until the cry, there is no God but Allah, resounds throughout the world, there will be jihad. And Khomeini was not an outlier among Muslims. The founder of the Muslim Brotherhood back in 1928 said pretty much the same thing, that his designs for transforming Egypt into an Islamic state ruled by Sharia law would be a springboard for universal expansion until the entire world will chant the name of the prophet. That's why we were attacked. Not because of our decadence here in the West, not because of our constitutional freedoms, because it's a battle and it, it's not going to end any time until Jesus returns, in my view. It's a battle between good and evil, light and darkness. And that's why we were attacked. Anyway, uh, over 3,000 people perished on that morning. I'll never forget 
where I was when I woke up, I turned on the TV and I saw these these planes flying into the, the World Trade Center. It's like, what is going on? It was it was like a, it was surreal. And that, I think that word is overused, but I can't think of any other word to describe it. It was just unbelievable. All right. The other thing that happened this week, the, the big news, obviously, and, and some view it as big news. And I'm not one of the, those people who who worship the, the monarchy I, for whatever reason. I'm, I'm Irish. Maybe that's what it is. But the passing of the Queen of England, the Queen was a fine lady. She was, as one writer put it, she had a lot of metal. And uh, she sat on the throne for 70 years, longest serving queen ever. And you know, we can talk about the significance of the monarchy. Is, how significant is it really in the 21st century? It's a relic of, of centuries past. And maybe it's for that reason. I remember Pat Buchanan wrote a column years ago defending the monarchy defending the queen and Buchanan's Irish too for that matter and uh, it's it's tradition and some traditions need to be celebrated and certainly recognized and I think the queen I, I think it is important to some but you know I'm just, I just don't get it my wife is a big follower of the queen and the the monarchy and the princes and the and now the king King Charles as as will be uh taking over uh the throne I just, in, in this day and age, I just don't understand why people care so much. I just don't understand why, and I'm looking at some of the proceedings over the past several days, you look at some of these people, uh, the peoples of the nations that Britain colonized for centuries, so deeply mourning her passing. Yes, she was a fine lady. She was a devout Christian. And the woke communist left hates her. And I, I use the present tense, hates some of the things that have been said since her passing have been unbelievable. Things said by the, the so-called woke people. She was a great lady. As I mentioned, one writer said she had a lot of metal, a lot more than the woke crybaby adolescents poking fun at her death, more than they'll ever have. And she proved it. She signed up for duty in World War II. I guess she drove trucks. I didn't know that until... Until I read a column recently, I forgot, I think I read it in WorldNet Daily, but she uh, signed up for the military, still in her teens. So I'm looking at a piece by Alana Mercer in WorldNet Daily, and she uh, writes, a queen, a queen worked quietly and often thanklessly for the British people for over seven decades. And uh, Elizabeth Windsor was but 13 years old when World War II broke out, which is when she gave her first official radio broadcast to console the children who had been evacuated from Britain to America, Canada, and elsewhere. She was still in her teens. She joined the military, where, according to Wikipedia, she trained as a driver and drove a military truck while she served. Uh, her, her William, I guess the grandson, right? So I don't even know any of these people. Uh, William is married to that, that nutcase, uh, Meghan Markle. But William worked as an RAF search and rescue helicopter pilot before he married, married down. <laughs> married Meghan Markle, as uh, I think Alana Mercer called her adult. So uh, young Prince Harry had served in Afghanistan. He wore his Afghanistan campaign medals on his brother's wedding day. And uh, you contrast those those people to some of the our political elites, uh, George Bush's daughters. One of them's a, a spokesman for Obama's health care plan. So, I mean, uh, and then Mercer writes here in this piece, if, if forced to choose between the mob, which is democracy, and the monarchy, the latter is far preferable and benevolent. And she quotes a couple of books there, and I, I'm not sure I agree with that. Some of it I agree with. But anyway, uh, so the queen passed away. She's 96. I mean, you know, I, I, and so much is being made of it. 
my wife has not missed one minute of these uh, televised, whatever you call it. I mean, uh, Harry and and Andrew, they were greeting the crowd. There were a throng of, of people at uh, at her passing. I guess she's got her body's lying in state for a few days. I guess that the, the uh, actual funeral is Monday, next Monday, or this Monday, I should say. So I was reading Newsmax recently, and uh, the headline caught my eye. It said, will Trump go to the Queen's funeral? Now, when Donald Trump was president, he met with the Queen. And I guess, and I, I kind of forget this, but my wife said he he patted her on, on the back. And you're not supposed to touch the Queen or, or royalty. I didn't know that. Michelle Obama went one better. She, I guess she hugged the Queen. You're not supposed to touch her. But anyway, so Trump patted her on the back. Anyway, this uh, piece in Newsmax... I guess, uh, quoted Jake Tapper of CNN. And Tapper said that uh, President Biden, he's been permitted to bring other presidents as guests to the Queen's funeral this Monday. Why not ask Trump to attend the funeral with him? And then I guess Twitter went into a tailspin. Uh, <laughs> well, somebody tweeted, Trump stole classified documents, kept them at his home. He demanded a new election. He's a threat to national security, all the usual nonsense. He deserves nothing. Another one writes, Trump didn't even have the dignity and class to attend Biden's inauguration. Why should he be invited to the Queen's funeral? Well, I mean, if Biden, it's, in other words, it's like an olive branch is what, what Tapper was getting at. You know, why not invite Trump? Maybe that would heal the, the rift, not just between the two men, but between the country. The country is terribly divided. It is, who knows? I don't think Biden's going to do that, but an interesting take on it. Let's... Uh, that's all I want to talk about the Queen. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not into it. If you are, I apologize. But as one local radio host said, and I agree totally, he's Irish too, for that matter. He said, look, the Queen doesn't know you and you don't know the Queen. So what's the big, what's all the, the fuss over her passing? Anyway, if you disagree, let me know. You can contact me by emailing me at pacman, P-A-C, at the BMG network.com, all lowercase. I'll give that out again at the end of the show. Let's talk about some state news. We have a, an election coming up in November, a lot of elections. Last December, Governor Kathy Hochul, governor here of New York State, her administration received an offer to buy 26 million at-home coronavirus tests from a New Jersey-based distributor that happened to be a major campaign donor to the governor. Interesting. The price offered by Digital Gadgets founder and CEO Charlie Tabili, $13 per test, far more expensive than what other companies were proposing for similar rapid antigen tests. Hochul's administration had just approved a deal with another firm to buy 5 million tests for only $5 each. But instead, she goes with this uh, digital gadgets for $13 a piece. Why, why would she do that? She agreed, her administration, to pay $338 million in taxpayer dollars to digital gadgets as the higher per test price. The Times Union reported in July that Tabili and his family members have donated nearly $300,000 to Hochul's campaign, including $70,000 before last winter. That's when Hochul's administration signed two purchase orders to buy $637 million in tests. Now that's called pay to play. At least it has the appearance of impropriety. Whether, maybe I don't know all the all the facts, but all the facts that are in front of me here in this piece in the uh, Times Union suggests that the governor said, yay, you know, 
keep the, to- the, the campaign donations coming and we'll set you up with a big deal, $637 million in state payments. That's what, that's, that's what goes on in New York State. That's why people don't trust the government. And I don't know why anyone, how anybody could vote Democrat, especially here in New York State with, with what goes on here. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. One more thing before we go. You know, we know times are tough. Families are making, uh, having a hard go of it just to meet the basic needs for their families. I'm reading here, there's a piece in, um, where did I get this? The New York Post. And they quote uh, researchers at Brandeis University. This uh, Brandeis University study found 35% of American families do not meet the basic family needs budget. You know, things like rent, food, transportation, medical care, you know, minimal household expenses. Despite working full-time year-round. I work for full-time year-round. I usually have had two jobs in the past. I have one job now, and I'll tell you, it's really getting difficult. Every month, we, we lose some money. We live off our savings, basically, and I'm not alone. A lot of families are in this, in this situation. And of course, this, this piece here in the post, they break it down by, by race and ethnicity. For what it's worth, a quarter of white families and 23% of Asian and Pacific Islander families are struggling to make rent and to buy food and, you know, despite holding out full-time jobs. And uh, I guess it's worse for, for black families and for Hispanic families. And then there's the breakdown of what, what's needed. But I mean, you, you can't, it's hard just to make ends meet working a full-time job, traveling, gas at just under $4 a gallon now here in New York State. Food prices up, inflation is at 9% or 10%, whatever it is. Everything's doubled in price, except my salary. My salary hasn't doubled. We get a 3% raise, and then the cost of living goes up 10%. But I'm, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm blessed to have work. A lot of people don't have one job. And anyway, things are tough, and uh, the government here in New York State is not making it any easier for the people struggling. All right, uh, I hate to leave you on a negative note. Life is good. I mean, the, the Lord is still on the throne. God is great, and uh, he's, uh, he's blessed us all, and we all have talents and, and gifts that we get from heaven above. And, you know, use the gifts God has given you. Hopefully, I'm using the one he's given me. <laughs> hopefully. And you know, my daughter's got a lot of gifts. My daughter Madeline has a show on the BMG network. It airs Fridays, predominantly Fridays. It's called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. And she did a bang up show. All her shows are great. But this one, if you don't mind me bragging on my daughter for a minute, it's called, uh, I forget what it's called, but it talks about normalizing uh, abnormal behavior. Everything today is being normalized. And it was an 18 minute show and she did a, a great job. Listen to it. It's on the BMG network. The Essentials with Maddie Flint. Uh, we have the Ken Burns Show. We have Adrian Ross's program on Tuesdays. And this show, which airs on Wednesdays, the Pac-Man Podcast with me, Ted Flint. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the BMGnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thank you for tuning us in, folks. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.